This is J.G. Hertz, the General Mar Talker on Deep Space Nine, and you're listening to Trek FM. Hello and welcome to Season 5, Episode 10 of Commentary, Trek Stars, a show which deals with the work of Star Trek creators outside of Star Trek. I'm Mike. I'm Max. I'm John. What's up? Today is Part 3 in our series on LeVar Burton, where we're looking at his work as an Emmy winner slash nominee. And today we're going to be looking at his work on Reading Rainbow. Uh, Now, Reading Rainbow is a children's show. Are you reading this? No. Good. All right. (laughs) It's a children's show, which aired from 1983 to 2009 with some more stuff that came afterwards and everything. Um, It won 10 Emmys for Best Children's Series. Hmm. It won two Emmys for Best Performer in a Children's Series, which was LeVar Burton, which means that in total, Burton has won 12 Emmys for this. He's been nominated for a ton more. Um, including a primetime Emmy. Is that a basketball team? Primetime Emmys? Twelve. Twelve? No. Uh, well, yeah, an entire team, yes, including all the players on the bench. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah, what, okay. that's what I thought. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen that movie, The Thirteenth Man. Okay. I don't know what that movie is. Not to be confused with The Thirteenth Warrior. Player. He's a ghost. He helps them play. Oh, okay. All right, cool. Well, Max, do you want to sort of give a description of what Reading Rainbow was? For those people who may not be familiar? Well, I mean, like, for the most part, it was largely just um, a show about children's books. Uh, there were... The the variety of ways in which they explored children's books is actually kind of vast. Because there were, like, legitimately just people talking about the books. There were book reviews. There were, like, conversation about the books. There were, there were like, videos that, like, reenacted sections of the books. And there were, like, little story time sections that were sort of more about telling the story of the book. I mean, it's, it's a hugely varied thing. It's, it seems like they had kind of a, a basic structure in place where, you know, you'd see LeVar Burton on a quote-unquote field trip, as they would call them, yeah. where he was doing something. You know, some he was in, like, let's say, the one episode that I watched today, he was in a diner. And it's like, oh, wow, you know, I, I, I love diners, but I've never worked in one. I've always wanted to. And, you know, it's similar to this book, which I have here, called Blah, 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 where... Stephen the Dinosaur. right. Works yes. as a, a as a, as an architect for a local firm, <laughs> and Not, he occasionally goes to a diner. Well, that, for breakfast. That's about how much this particular book had to do with a diner. It yeah, I remember a, the show. It was about a diner heist, you know, and and I stuff remember like the that. Show. So, so then you know they say, yeah, this book is crazy, and then they go to a reading of the book where basically they do a sort of visual. Almost, I guess, what today would be kind of flash animation telling of the book, where they have someone who it seems like was usually a celebrity. Well, as I recall, it wasn't always the same. It wasn't always the well, no. same sort of reenactment. No, no, no. I mean, but sometimes just, it was just actually, to, just like live action. To give an example, okay, you know? yeah, that's fine. And they'd have like the in, sort of an animated version of the of the artwork in there, like the one that I saw was narrated by Peter Falk. I saw another one that was narrated by Michelle Trachtenberg. 
you know, it seemed like they got pretty big name people to to do these these readings, and they would read from what I can tell yeah. was like the entire book, and then they'd come back to Lavar Burton in the diner, and he'd be like, "Yeah, that was a great book." Uh, you know, in that book, this person was a cook at at a diner. I think I'm going to try that. And then you see how that works. And then they kind of do. It's almost like like you know, kid book inception because then it gets even deeper. Like in this episode, you know, someone's like, uh, "Okay, Lavar, we need some tortellini," and he's like, "Nobody take kid book inception." I'm working on a screenplay right now. <laughs> and and he's like he's like, What's tortellini? And then he's like, Oh, look at that. There's Delicious. tortellini. I I wonder how this is made. And then they cut to uh like a package kind of thing as in yeah. the in television terms where you see a guy and he's like, Hi, my name's Joe. I make tortellini. Here's how I do it. <laughs> and then you see the process of them making the tortellini, and then it cuts back to the diner and he's like Wow, I never knew that that much work went into making tortellini. And, you know, he, he did his whole thing where there was a little few, you know, whatever cutesy things with him in the diner. And then he's like, yeah, that was great. You know, and this was a great book. And so are these books. But you don't have to take my word for it. And then they would cut to some kids, like three kids doing reviews of three different books that they read. And they're like, you can check these out at your local library. It wasn't always three. Sometimes it was two. Sometimes it was two. Okay. Sometimes, you know, I mean, they always varied on the formula a bit. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, that was it. That was the, that was the show. So basically what it was was a way to um, engage kids by saying, like, here's a book. Read this book. But then also investigate what's going on in the book further and, you know, maybe learn about the world in, in, in the process. Yeah, I don't know. So, so John, uh, did did you watch this as nope. a youngster? No, I was uh, when it debuted in '83. I had a pretty good handle on reading already, oh. and uh, was deep into my Jedi lore studies. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, after you know, after uh, that faded, I went straight into Van Halen, which probably did plenty of damage to my literacy. But uh, <laughs> and hearing, yeah. <laughs> But it was enjoyable, and uh, there you go. So I, I think it missed me for, I think I was just outside of the initial target demo or whatever because I just, um, it just never hooked me. Okay, so now Max, you're um, slightly older than me, so you probably would have been about five when this thing hit. Yeah, honestly, it's actually kind of similar to, to, to John's side. I mean, like I, like when I, when I, when, when, when I was aware of reading Rainbow, like I was still a really little kid. Like it was, it came on when I was watching TV and it was really for me the point where I could stop because (laughs) I was at that point, I, I had, I had jumped straight to sci-fi history. Like I was reading Asimov and Heinlein and a lot of Arthur C. Clarke. As a five-year-old? No, as like a seven-year-old. He was a precocious little lad. (laughs) No, I like I like immediately went from like you know like coloring books to anything with spaceships. Mm-hmm. Basically, if it had a spaceship in it, I would read it. And you know, I mean, like years later, I would revisit like the Foundation trilogy and go, "There's a lot more sex in here than I remembered." But I mean, like you know, you just don't, you just don't notice it when you're a kid. You're just like space aliens. 
Well, I mean, you know, to speak to that too, it was also, I mean, really was the height of the the whole shuttle program thing, and um, yeah, you know, th- there was yeah. a lot of focus on that. So I, I think that um, you know that makes total sense because yeah, I wasn't I wasn't outside of the world of like the space craze. Like if, right. if I if I dig through, and every once in a while I'll like dig through my my old like kid stuff in like my parents' basements or something like that, and I'll find like a sticker book of space stuff yep. and there'll be like a bunch of little like drawings that are utter meaningless gibberish to me now but they are you know they're they're they were intended as references to sci-fi books that i was reading but like i was not a fan of the the children's books that were on the show but that doesn't mean i didn't watch it periodically i would definitely see it from time to time and like I have, like you know, I I have enough of a memory of the show to like remember episodes that like I did actually enjoy, and episodes that I stopped watching because I didn't really care about. Like like sometimes it was just like a story of like a little boy who lives in in the seventies who you know gets a paper route and things don't go as planned, and sometimes it was like a dinosaur that has a time machine, and I'd be like, "Whoa, now that sounds interesting. I'm gonna stay tuned to this and and i would and I would watch that, and I would you know I would actually stick it through all the way to the end, and when like i when it got to like the the early nineties, like I would actually watch it. Because of Labar Burton, like it was, that was the only reason I would watch it at that point. Because I mean, at that point, I'm like a, a teenager, and like I, I, I wouldn't wake up for it. But like, if it was on, I would go, "Oh, I'll watch this." Labar Burton's in it. Can't be, can't be too bad. And it was never too bad. And I honestly thought, like, you know, if I had gotten into this as a kid, maybe I wouldn't hate so much. <laughs> but it's too late. Yes, it if is. If it had only been more exciting. Oh well. If they had more space more bottles, Burton, I would have yeah. I would have watched much more reading Rainbow. <laughs> yeah. Now, for me, I'm I'm uh, a little bit younger, I guess. I was in preschool the year that it started. I was 3. So, I guess I was the perfect age for reading Rainbow and um I you know, it's weird because I of course was always aware of it, but I always kind of thought of it as an adult, like going into this, I was like, I remember it being sort of on, but I don't remember actually watching it, you know? I don't remember anything specific about it. I just kind of remember LeVar Burton being there, and that's about it. And I don't even understand how this whole thing works. And then um, I was going through and watching a few episodes for this thing, and seeing that structure, uh, it all came back to me. You know, seeing the the uh, mm-hmm. opening title sequence and everything like that, it all came back to me. The kids with their recommendations at the end and everything like that. And I actually I, remember a lot of those. Yeah, I think I've I think I've seen a lot more of this show than I had remembered. And in watching it, you know, I started off. I'm like, okay, I'm going to start off with the the episode where they visit the set of Next Generation. It was season one of of Next Gen. Um, Tasha Yar. Well, I don't know exactly when it aired versus when it was shot. Because they make a big deal out of Worf, and they're like, he's the chief of security. But in the episode that they're shooting, Tasha Yar is running around. 
but you can see them doing their blocking where Riker totally does his Riker maneuver <laughs> and puts his, his, you know, like, uh, and you get to see, uh, I guess one of the things that made it like a big deal for fans was it actually had some bloopers on it. Is it was, the Riker maneuver where he like falls into a wall in order to hit on some woman who's standing near that wall? No, the Riker maneuver is when he puts his leg up onto yeah. a an object right next to someone who's sitting next to that object so that his crotch is at their face level. <laughs> yeah, that's the yeah. Riker maneuver. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was sort of great seeing that because, you know, you see him on the set, like standing by the captain's chair and he's like, this is, you know, blah, 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 blah. And it's like this book called uh, Robert Roger the Bionic Rabbit or whatever and his television show. And, you know, on that... His public access television show? Yeah. That and, he hosts with his younger brother? Probably. And and in the, on that, on that sh- you know, book... Oh, I want he, to see that movie. You know, you see yeah. him making the television show. And, you know, I make a television show. I'm on Star Trek. And, you know, this looks like the set of the Enterprise, but if you turn the camera around... And then they literally flip the camera around to where the view screen would be. And it's just a sound stage with lights and everything. And I'm like... What? Though, I know. I'm like, even though or I was it not in <laughs> space. <laughs> exactly. Hold on. I'm like 90% sure they shot that in space. <laughs> well, I am too, you know? And I, I, I mean, and I, I don't know what it was. I don't know if it's the way that I'm wired because of when I saw this and everything like that. But like when I saw Next Generation in my development or whatever. But like when he flipped that camera around, I'm just like, oh my God, my head was blown back. And, <laughs> I'm, the ground I'm a, shattered beneath you, I'm, I'm and a, you fell through a chasm like, into your own childhood. Like, I have a bachelor's the degree in film, you know? I should know how this works, right? But it, like, shattered my 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 perceptions of reality in that. It was kind of great. You know, yeah. I remember. I remember the, the. I remember the shot when I was like a very young child, and I saw that the, they actually had the camera in like the other side of the room, and yeah. you could see the view screen there. And I was like, "Oh, it's actually just there." Yeah. Like, because I, I, it, it had never occurred to me that it was like just that close. I kind of thought of it like a movie theater, like it had to be further like away. 15 right. or 20 feet away kind of like on a sitcom or something like that i guess i don't know like something some some part of the wiring in my brain it like indicated like a very different geography to that bridge set than actually was there also it was way bigger in my head than it actually was yeah, so yeah. i guess it's a tv trick but it, it was great and you know then after that they he's like you see him and he's like sitting in a place and he's got like these film reels and he's like Oh, this film, because they, they make a big deal out of, like, coverage, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's like, we shoot it from this angle, and we shoot it from this angle. And it's like, we've got all this film, all these angles, and how do we make this into a TV show? We have a medium angle shot, and we have an over-the-shoulder-of-one-guy shot, and we have the over-the-shoulder-of-the-other-guy shot, and that's all we do, That's ever. all we do, because we're next generation. We don't do anything yeah. else. Literally, that's the entire job of the cinematographer. <laughs> he doesn't even come into work some days. <laughs> So, so then they go down and you see how they edit, which to me, that was just fascinating because I've done tape to tape editing on, and it's the worst. And it just took me back to, to high school and yeah. 
Anyway. That was the only way to copy next-gen episodes for friends in high school. <laughs> there yeah. you go. So, so seeing that, I was like, this is awesome, right? But then I was like, well, I should watch like a few more episodes just to kind of see. Because obviously my opinion of this is going to be skewed because it's Star Trek, right? And I'm sitting there and my wife is sitting there and we're watching the thing about the diner. And like at one point, like she has to leave and she's like, pause this, pause this, it's getting good now, you know? And like the two of us, you know, are sitting there absolutely riveted by this guy making tortellini, you know, and we don't even eat tortellini, but we just found it to be fascinating. Wait, is that like a conscious religious choice not to eat tortellini? Or is no, it just it's just a personal preference, you know? I don't believe the pasta should be crimped. Although hey, actually, hey, those are fighting words. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> Although actually, after seeing this guy, like, there's this one point where, like, the whole time he's like, "I like to mix it by hand," and he's wearing gloves, and my wife's like, "You know, he doesn't wear gloves when the camera is <laughs> off." And then at one point, he's like, "How do I know it's ready?" And then he reaches in, and then he eats some, and he's like, "Oh, it's perfect!" And he like takes a bite. <laughs> And he's got like a chunk left in his hand. He's like, now it's time to take it over to the machine that cuts it or whatever. And he throws the piece that he just bit off of back into the... Teeth gloves. He has <laughs> teeth gloves on. I guess that's what it was, yeah. you know? But anyway, my point with all of this... The moral of the story is that you should never eat food made by anyone else. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> my, my, my point with all of this is that even as an adult... This sort of behind-the-scenes how-stuff-works thing was absolutely riveting, and I can totally understand why this show was on the air for 27 years or whatever it was um, because it's really interesting, and I can imagine as a kid being enthralled by it. Um, wow, wait a minute. That actually, it sounds like it, it, it's almost a spiritual forebear of Dirty Jobs, that show with huh? uh, Mike Rowe. Maybe, maybe it's kind of like the clean version of Dirty Jobs. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, like a lot of a lot of PBS involved a lot of similar things. Like, there, like the three to one contact in the electric company. There's a humongous amount of. Here we are at the place where we make crayons, and this is how we make crayons. Here's the colored stuff, and oh, here's man. the wax I stuff. That episode. And we press <laughs> it into a thing, and it comes out crayon shaped. End of segment. Wow, that was great, Steve. Yeah, that's true. That's how it goes. It's like the entire era was you learn how everybody does everything except for the reality. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, how they motivate themselves to get out of bed in the morning to do those things. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm going to go into work today to make crayons again. It's still <laughs> this, fun. <laughs> this is exactly how I saw my life turning out. <laughs> but, you know, I mean... It, it It is true that, that a lot of those shows were similar, and I think they kind of blend together for me, and that's why I, I did not remember it specifically up until I, I revisited it. But, okay, so, so so let me ask you this, John. As someone who has kids, yeah. uh, do your kids watch it? Have they seen it, or, or what's the deal with that? We uh, downloaded the app uh, a while back, and we gave it a try, and this is... This is going to come across uh, like a humble brag, but it's not. But reading, like, is something that I've always been. Uh, you know, I love to read. Like, it's it's a favorite pastime sort of thing. And it's not something that like I just felt obligated to do in school or anything. And my wife is an avid reader too, so we've always had story time. And like the kids read already, so like I 
I think it might have been a similar sort of thing where by the time it was like, oh, hey, kids, you know, this was a show that was on when mommy and daddy were, were younger. And, you know, why don't you give this a try? And they wrote they basically had the reaction of, yeah, we, yeah, we, we got this covered. We're good. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. Time to move on to dirty jobs or something similar. No. Yeah. Something with vocational training so that I can lower <laughs> their expectations. They're already like young adult novels. Yeah. They yeah. ride the Martian, like the, the, the uh, what's it called? The Tripods trilogy. And they're uh, like, right, oh, I love the Tripods. That's a little was, racist. It was, it was badass. It's a little racist. I see. I don't remember. I was like, <laughs> when I read it. But... There's a lot of racism okay. in there. Okay. All right. That's fair <laughs> enough. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, talking about the app, that's how Reading Rainbow exists now. Now, it was canceled in uh, 2009. Um, Burton. Uh, basically blames government spending uh, on things which are less worthy than education as the reason for its cancellation. You don't think it's important to protect our country? I, I guess it is important to protect our country, but... If we that was books, a retrospective <laughs> on literally all of American history <laughs> in one sentence. <laughs> yes. So, you know, I mean... Uh, it was canceled, and Burton, who felt that it was still uh, worthy of existing, bought the rights himself along with his business partner, uh, who's a producer in Hollywood, whose name escapes me, I'm sorry, and the two of them uh, decided to relaunch Reading Rainbow as this app, where basically it has um, a bunch of children's books like hundreds of children's books mm -hmm. which kids can read in the app as well as the quote-unquote field trips uh both old and new and uh it's reading rainbow went for a really long time old and new is all included in that run yeah they uh, yeah. but but also like newly produced yeah um field trips with burton mm -hmm. and they had a whole big thing i think it was last year with like a, a kickstarter where they were looking for a million dollars to get this thing up and running, and they ended up making like three and a half million dollars. And three and a half, because I, you see, that that was the thing that I found fuzzy because I heard that they, like, like Seth MacFarlane said he would donate a million dollars if they reached five million. Oh, I mean, maybe, maybe and it was. Then I heard that he did, and then I heard the total was like five million four hundred thousand. I was like, <laughs> what? Ha what? Does, that math doesn't add up. I, Someone it, needs to write a book about math. <laughs> <laughs> Here's how Seth MacFarlane made the money to donate a million dollars. <laughs> but yeah, I, you know, I... Uh, he watched Reading Rainbow. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, well, regardless of how much money uh, they, they made off of Kickstarter, it was a success, and it is an app now, and, you know, it's kind of cool that this thing still exists. Yeah, Kickstarter is, has been an amazing thing for lots of really good things. And also that Zach Braff movie. <laughs> and what that Veronica Mars movie, right? That movie uh, was great. That was awesome. Yeah. Come on. You're not it's, a Veronica it, Mars fan? You're not a, a Marshmallow? Don't no, do I, that. What? That's don't the actual that. name for the fans? Yeah. No. So, so let me ask you guys this. Uh, John, first, yep. I guess, whatever. It doesn't matter. How does Reading Rainbow tie into Burton's other works as you see it? Because it is kind of an oddball thing in that it's not a uh, 
an acting assignment. He's like the host of this thing, although there is some definite acting involved. And um, like pretending that working at a diner is fun. <laughs> yes, and and then and then th- there's also sort of the whole producing aspect, you know, and the mm-hmm. creation aspect to it, you know. But but thematically and whatnot, how do you see it tying into Burton's? Uh, just sort of that um, the the sense of caring about social good and you know I, I I don't want to call it a cause or or anything like that but you know Roots is a very you know it's a provocative series that that you know to this day evokes a lot of discussion about important issues and literacy of course it you know is an important thing and you know kids need to be educated and know how to read and all of that stuff and so it it really seems like it's motivated by uh, an altruistic uh, sensibility. You know, not he's he anybody can produce a show to for fame or money or anything like that. He's producing something that its whole intended goal is just to make life better for people. So I, I think that speaks to who he is and what he's been trying to do with his fame and and fortune. Yeah, I agree. You know, I mean, it is kind of cool. I mean, we talked about this, I think, a little bit on the the intro episode that we had for Burton. But, you know, he really does seem to have like a very um, big philanthropic side to his uh, his career. And, and everyone, I actually recently discovered an entirely new thing that I had never heard of. Apparently, he spoke recently at some sort of medical conference because he's active in promoting like like medical awareness in other countries about certain diseases and oh, I was really? like what what come yeah. on to make it easy to tally these things up it's really hard to quantify <laughs> your karma when you're always moving around it's yeah i mean he does that i mean obviously there's you know the also uh, he was that bubble on adventure time and that was rad okay all right <laughs> I mean, there's there there is that that the civil rights you know kind of aspect too that you see in Roots and, and mm-hmm. you always see him um, advocating for you know or or against social injustice on uh, you know CNN and stuff like that. They they bring him in lots of times as I don't know what. I mean, it's not like he's an expert, but he's like the guy to talk to whenever there's something that needs to be discussed. Well, you know, you got to get someone sexy. There you go. I guess that's it. <laughs> what about you, Max? Uh, do you have any anything else to add to that, or no? I mean, like that's that's actually sort of like the the the, the frustrating thing. It's like I I can't really quantify how much he how much good he am. Mm-hmm. It's just sort <laughs> of like everywhere, and it's and it's like, look, I already was totally on board. I was already a fan of you before, like I put all of the pieces together of like all the stuff you were doing. And all you're doing is making it seem like I'm not a big enough fan. And, dude, just give me the time. I will get around to figuring it out. Yeah, I mean, he does seem like a really cool guy, um, all things considered. And Reading Rainbow seems like uh, just a big piece of that overall puzzle. So, it's cool. Yeah, it's, it's, a, very, it's a very positive thing that he did for a very long time. Yeah. That um that I didn't appreciate when it would have been right for me because I was uh already I mean, cynical about I mean that's books. the thing. That's the thing. As a kid, you know, it really does seem like you know, there were certain programs where it's like, Well, this is fun to watch and this is, you know, 
basically an extension of school. And I remember educate me. Exactly. You know, I mean, that's the thing. And every time that that song would come on, I would just be like, oh, God, no, no, please. There's got to be something better on TV than this. See, for me, it was like, this is the show for little kids, the ones that are like one year younger than me. (laughs) And when you're when you're a kid, that's like an epic amount of time. It is like you're like you're like, oh, man, I read that book like two weeks ago. Mm hmm. Yeah. In like an in like fifteen minutes. And this show is what, a half hour long? That's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. I'm gonna watch some transforming robots fight each other. Yep. <laughs> yep. That's really what it was. And that's not Transformers, that's the like probably Transor Z, which would have been out at the time. Oh, okay. Well, uh Max, any final thoughts on reading Rainbow? Um, I am I am hopeful that there are more good things from reading Rainbow. And uh, when the sort of when when it sort of petered out, and I heard about the cancellation, and I was like, and I was investigating that, I was surprised to know that like it didn't ever ever stop. Like it was going yeah. until fairly recently. Yeah, I mean, it, it was canceled <laughs> in two thousand and nine, but they still had episodes air like through like twenty twelve. Yeah, you know? and yeah. I was I was shocked by how like how vast that catalog was, and well, when I like glanced at like the past like the last couple years, it was like I want to see a lot of yeah these I know there's now. a lot of them where it's like <laughs> what they had that guy on there I mean it, it is kind of strange but yeah I mean like if if you look at it they only made 160 episodes over the course of I think 13 seasons or 16 seasons or something yeah. and. Um, like just in watching them, like they re they did repackage them. Like I was looking for the original theme song, but then I found like a new theme song with all this like CGI and a, a, a you know sort of Nemesis era Lavar Burton, and then oh. the 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 episode. How'd you have to do that. I'm just saying the the, <laughs> the episode starts and is very much a uh, TNG season two Lavar Burton. Oh, you know. So really mixing it up. I'm just saying. (laughs) So anyway, I mean, it it is it is kind of crazy that I mean, but yes, I guess. And that's the way that the show is kind of designed and everything. But it has been repackaged. And uh, even though there are only 160 episodes, they're still, I'm assuming, in heavy rotation. I, I'm assuming maybe not anymore, but I mean you can get them on uh, Amazon and stuff. Well, I, like when when I when it was canceled, I was I was really disappointed because that was like the notification that like they were still doing cool things, and as the years went on, they were still doing like like really neat things and stuff I wanted to check out. But I was like, why isn't it on like Hulu or something? Yeah, that's it ridiculous. is. There are a bunch of episodes yeah. on Amazon now. But well, that's good. Well, what what about you, John? Any final thoughts on reading Rainbow? Uh, you know, I, not really. <laughs> you know, I feel maybe I should have watched it when I was younger. But <laughs> See, that's the thing. It's like even though it's something where you're like, yeah, I should have totally watched this thing to see what this cool thing was. It's like unless you were five, there really wasn't a reason to, you know? Yeah. No, but like when you're, when you're like yeah. 13, you can sit down and watch it and go like, this isn't bad. <laughs> this isn't bad. 
<laughs> I guess so, but you're not going to because then when your other 13-year-old friends come over, they're going to be like, what are you talking about? We should be watching Cinemax are right now. Are you kidding me? When I was 13, all we did was watch things ironically. That is so. literally the entire after-school and before-school activity roster. It's wow. like, what are you watching ironically this morning? Oh, I'm going to watch uh, like the Today Show. <laughs> No way! I was I was still gosh thirteen. Jeez, I was still hunting down uh, uh, like Transformers and uh, Tom and Jerry, non ironically, just because I thought it was hysterical. I think I think thirteen years old. Were you hysterical? No, I was not. I was a good boy (laughs) at thirteen. I think when I was 13, I was way into uh, Saved by the Bell and TGIF. But really... You're the worst human being. But really, the the overwhelming thing that sort of... The worst one. (laughs) That sort of (laughs) drove my my passions, I guess, was sports. But, well, actually, 13, I take that back. That was like 12. 13 was the year that I started getting into Star Trek. 13 is the year when Star Trek took over everything for me. Mm -hmm. Lucky 13. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, for me, you know, I, I guess I don't have much to add either. Uh, just basically that, yeah, I think that even though it's something which I'm assuming the overwhelming majority of people who are listening to this would have absolutely no interest in watching, its place in history is certainly really important. But that's the crazy thing about it. It works when you're an adult. It does. Better yeah. than when you're a kid. Sure. I don't know how that works. I don't know why that happens, but I since being a child, I have watched episodes and thought, this is not bad. It's probably that I get the thing. appeal of this. Yeah, I, I think because when you get older and you have that appreciation, it, I think there's some sort of natural instinct where you see something like this and you want to have a kid next to you to be like, you should be paying attention to this right now. This is important. <laughs> well... It's been fun talking about reading Rainbow today, but this isn't the only thing we're talking about here on Trek FM this past week. So here's a quick look at some other things you may have missed elsewhere on the network. Previously on Trek.fm, Standard Orbit. Because it's it's actually legitimately trying to say something. Yes, very Star Trek. It may be the most Star Trek of all Star Trek. Yeah, it's definitely what I would point to as being, this is what science fiction is about. Earl Grey. Kovac will tell us to experience Bige sometimes, in which case we will draw the Bige card, Klingon word for pain. Is so, it birthday? It is. It is. It, it's it's going to be a lot of fun. To the journey! That's the one thing we could take from Homecoming is like paragraph one, Chakotay and Seven break up. That's for real. Yeah, they that shake happened. hands and go, hey, it's been fun. It's been nice. Thanks for the picnic. Eh, see ya. Commentary, Trek stars. Fair At this enough. point, like, they could say, yeah, why not? Star Wars crossover. I would, I would essentially say, fine. Both franchises are dead. Let's just sew them together and see what happens. Melodic Treks. One of the most well-thought-out alien races that you only see in one episode. Yeah, and the music is, is it's menacing without being over-menacing, if that makes yeah. sense. Axonar, the official podcast. I think Justin Lin is a, is a fascinating choice to direct because the Fast and the Furious movies, even though, yeah, they're action-adventure, road-race movies, are really about a family. The 602 Club. That's really cool, though. I mean, I, I think that is uh, a fantastic way to get to see just about any movie is, is kind of being able to watch it through a kid's eyes. And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. 
Check out these shows to find out what we're talking about in your favorite corner of the Star Trek universe and beyond. You'll find us wherever you get your podcasts. If you're an Apple user, be sure to hit the subscribe button. That helps us out greatly and makes it easier for our other listeners to find the show as they search in iTunes. If you're not an Apple user, we've got you covered as well. You can find our show on Stitcher, TuneIn, Spreaker, SoundCloud, Windows Phone, and of course you can stream and download the MP3 file from our website and grab the RSS link as well. I know you read that. No, I didn't. I just <laughs> reading Rainbow prepared you for it. I learned how from rainbows. There you go. <laughs> I, I I took a look. It was in a book. Actually, reading Rainbow. No, it was just on this computer screen here. Okay. Before we go, we'd like to ask everyone to please support our sponsor, who helps us bring commentary, Trek stars, and all of our shows to you each week. And our sponsor for this show is Audible.com. Yeah, don't read a book. Listen to yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. For those people who didn't see Reading Rainbow and never learned how to read, you can listen to all your favorite books. <laughs> Audible is a great way for you to read all of the books you've always wanted to read but never thought you'd have the time for. They've even got books about learning how to read, like this one, Life is So Good, One Man's Extraordinary Journey Through the 20th Century and How He Learned to Read at Age 98. It's written by George Dawson and Richard Glaubman and narrated by LeVar Burton. In Life is So Good, read by Emmy Award nominee LeVar Burton, hey... George Dawson shares his unique wisdom about survival, joy, people, and the hidden beauty of growing old. And you can get this book for free since you listen to Trek FM. As a Trek FM listener, you can get a free audiobook of your choice along with a 30-day trial to see just how great Audible is. Just go to audibletrial.com slash trekfm and sign up today. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash trekfm. And we thank Audible for supporting Commentary, Trek Stars, and the network. One more way that you can help uh, keep all of our shows coming to you each week is to become a patron of the network on Patreon. If you visit patreon.com slash trekfm, that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash trekfm, you'll find our current goals and different milestone contribution levels along with all the great perks we have for you. These perks include early access to content, exclusive content, producer credits, seats on our content development team, and more. We really appreciate any support you can give us and hope you'll join the team. Again, you'll find all the details at patreon.com slash trekfm. Yeah, Patreon's good. Not responsible for any Zach Braff movies. <laughs> That's right. So far. So far. All right. Well, that's it for reading Rainbow. Uh, John, where can people find you on the internet? Find me on Twitter at Castle Junkie, or you can find me on a little weekly show I do with my buddy Craig called Words with Nerds. Excellent. And you can find Max and myself uh, on CommentaryTrackStars.com, where we do Commentary Track Stars off-topic with our friend Brandon. Uh, we also... We're going to be doing something a little special, I think, if we can manage to, to get our act together. But, you know, in, in addition to our normal episode, uh, we've got our 500th thing commentary track stars <laughs> production coming up. And we're going to do something special, which is all-encompassing. And uh, you can go over there uh, next week and check that out. 
You can also find me right here on Trek FM doing Standard Orbit with Drew. And you can find us on Twitter at ComTrackStars, and you can email us at ComTrackStars at gmail.com. All right. Well, that's it for LeVar Burton uh, in terms of looking at his Emmy-nominated stuff, although next week we will be back to recap his career as an Emmy nominee. 